Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Monday, November 23rd, 2020. On the show today, a whole lot to get to in terms of rumors. Over the weekend, there were rumors that the Nationals are involved in trade talks for Cubs third baseman Chris Bryant. Also, the Nationals have interest in signing DJ LeMahieu, former second baseman for the Rockies, and most recently for the Yankees. We'll get to those rumors and more on today's Monday edition of the Locked On Nationals podcast. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get to it here on this Monday edition of the Locked On Nationals podcast. Finally, there is some off-season chatter that we can discuss for the Washington Nationals. Yes, they did make the signings of Yasmani Tomas and Sam Clay, but we're looking for some real substance here, aren't we? And we got some on Friday, courtesy of John Morosi from the MLB Network. So uh, this two tweets, actually, that came out on Friday. The first of which earlier in the day said, Source, the Nats are showing interest, continued interest rather, in DJ LeMahieu, whom they also pursued as a free agent two seasons ago. As I reported this morning, he uh, went on MLB Network and mentioned it. The one that was a big shocker came later in the day. He said, Sources, Nats are considering a trade for hashtag Cubs third baseman Chris Bryant among numerous hitters they are currently monitoring monitoring." on the market, period. Free agent DJ LeMahieu is another option, as I reported earlier today. So there's a lot at play here, right? There's a lot to unpack. Let's go with the first tweet, which is the one that, this is the one that I am actually more a fan of. Let's just get this one out of the way. DJ LeMahieu is an option that makes a lot of sense for the Nationals for many reasons that we have discussed. Number one, the second base situation is not cut and dry. Um, they are lucky to have that flexibility with Starlin Castro, who I think is a very good player. Castro's position is in no way in doubt with the team, at least in my opinion. And I think where Castro fits in better, and I've said this before, is at third base, right? He's been able to play third. Maybe not a natural third baseman by trade, but somebody who has played plenty of third base in his career, enough to justify that move for a struggling Carter Keyboom there. You would put DJ LeMahieu at second. That would be his position. Maybe he split some time with Luis Garcia. Garcia might get some reps there. I don't know. But I think if the Nationals are going for a second baseman, they're looking for a more proven commodity, right? Garcia projects, projects, right? Projects down the line to be a very good player. You know, one of the top, uh, now the top prospect, and no longer, I guess, you consider a prospect in the Nationals organization, right? MLB Pipeline had him as a number one prospect at the end of the season, no longer considered a prospect, right? No, no longer considered, I guess you could say, a debutante, if you will, um, to use a soccer term. He is no longer a top prospect because he is now playing. And, uh, you know, he has the ability to become a very good second baseman, right? The defense just was, was not up to snuff. The hitting was there. And you think at 20 years old, you know, if he can generate consistent power, he's going to be a very good player. But that's not where the Nats are. Nats are in a position right now where they want to take a look at winning next year. They want to give it a go. And I think as far as players go who do that, LeMahieu is a guy that gives them a definite edge. We've talked about protection for Juan Soto, and we've done it repeatedly. That, that is what DJ LeMahieu offers. That is what he provides. That is something that makes a lot of sense. And, and besides capital, besides actual money, right, there's not a ton that you have to give up. 
you aren't giving up prospects like you would in the Chris Bryant trade for a guy who's only under contract for one more year, right? You'd be able to set the terms and you would not be giving away any of those players that you value in your farm system. Like the 1,000, I mean, maybe you look at it this way and say, hey, we've got 1,000 arms we can give away, but uh, you know, we'll get to more of that in a second. But I think with LeMahieu, that's an upside. You're not going to be giving away as much if you're going to sign DJ LeMahieu um, and bring him in for the Nationals. And so what he offers them, kind of back to the the you know um, the Garcia point is, Garcia could play behind him some. Garcia, you know, I, I know they have Josh Harrison in terms of utility, but this would offer an opportunity for Luis Garcia to get some reps, to not have as much pressure on him as a starter. And I think that's something that could be useful, right? We're seeing right now at, at that third base position, things aren't going as well. And if they sign LeMahieu, you know, the plan would be, all right, you got LeMahieu at second. You're going to shift uh, Castro over to third. So that would be from third to first. Well, we don't know the first yet, but from third over to second, you would have Castro, Turner, and then LeMahieu there in that order. And then also, too, you could you could flip in Luis Garcia. And I like having him there as kind of some insurance, right? That, that's what he was this year. Uh, he was the insurance. Not, you know, the Nats didn't know he'd be a great insurance policy to have at that second base, but he was. And I know he didn't hit for power. I know he didn't drive in a lot of runs, but that had a lot to do with the offense around him as well. So I think when I look at this situation and I think about all the moves the Nats can make as it pertains to the infield, this is the one that makes the most sense. You're not doubling up. Uh, you know, it's not putting two great p- players at one position. You're not forcing a move that feels unnatural, right? The only problem that you're then causing is that you're going to block. You're going to ultimately block Carter Keebum at third base. And there is a conversation to be had about whether or not that is the right thing to do. And the other side of this coin is, you know, we talk about blocking at second base. Garcia, if they did sign LeMahieu, I would see Garcia maybe going down AAA because they want him to get those reps, right? If there's a situation where there's some injuries and you have some issues and you need a guy like Garcia to come up and be there and be ready, yeah, have him there. But, you know, you've got Josh Harrison who can play that second base spot and... I think a lot of Nationals fans, if you're going to put DJ LeMahieu, who obviously is an upgrade, you know, putting Garcia in AAA is a good option. If there is AAA baseball, if there's no AAA baseball, I think the best thing for him is to be a part of that major league roster. If there is, AAA is the right spot to put him if you get a guy like LeMahieu, right? You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to have a situation where Garcia is not getting reps because what he showed at the major league level last year was enough to make you say, okay, he's got it, but we know there's parts of his game he has to refine that involve repetition. Fielding is repetition. Getting the feel for it's repetition at this level, right? It's trying to make sure you refine your defense. And that athleticism is great, and he's made some excellent plays from his behind, you know, uh, being able to grab a ball and make a throw from, you know, from his butt. But also it's the routine plays, some that eat him up, some the decision-making, right? Reading runners and things like that. That's AAA reps. And if that's an opportunity he can have, and there's a guy like DJ LeMahieu there at second base, AAA is the right option. If there's not somebody like DJ LeMahieu, uh, you know, and Josh Harrison in front of you, and it's just Josh Harrison, and, and Solon Castro has to go to third, then I, I think Garcia should be a part of that rotation, part of that conversation. And, you know, if it's going to be him and Josh Harrison, you, you, you should play Garcia, because I think Josh Harrison just makes sense as the, as the second guy no matter what. Um, you know, Josh Harrison might be a better player, but if you're going to have Josh Harrison and Luis Garcia there, 
it just makes sense to have Luis Garcia play that position because the difference is going to, in my opinion, going to be negligible to the point where it's, it's all about getting Garcia those reps like I talked about. Get him the experience. You know, there's no reason to put to put Josh Harrison there as the everyday guy when you've got a future star sitting there, uh, or, you know, potential future star, rather, sitting there and a guy that you see at least as a potential everyday first base or second baseman. I mean, there's a conversation right now whether or not he will be the everyday guy. So, um, you know, that is kind of how this pertains to Garcia, right? I know it's kind of, you know, projecting about this move, but if they're going to go and get a middle infielder, um, you know, that is, that's the reality for Luis Garcia. One last thing I want to note on DJ LeMayhew is that we had RJ Anderson on this podcast and he had mentioned that there are some statistics that might show DJ LeMayhew was a large benefactor of playing in Yankee Stadium. Like his hitting style, you know, RJ, you go back to listen to the episode we talked about RJ, it's still very relevant because uh, this offseason moves so slowly. But in his top free agents list, he talked about LeMayhew and he talked about, you know, there is some talk, right, that, that DJ LeMayhew did benefit greatly from Yankee Stadium and his hitting style really, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of, that's kind of fit there. I think when the Nationals see DJ LeMayhew, they see Daniel Murphy in a lot of ways. They see a player who can really hit well for that position, who's not a great defensive player, but boy, is his hitting and the idea of his hitting just uh, something you almost can't pass up. And Murphy was excellent, excellent for the Nationals. LeMahieu's got a chance to be excellent wherever he goes. I'm of the mind that I don't think he's going to, you know, sure, he might not rake and be an MVP contender every single year you have him, but from what I saw last year, just the way the, the variety of ways he can get it done at the plate, I'm a big believer in DJ LeMahieu, and I think he's a good fit for the Nationals. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Chris Bryant stuff, because I think that is the part that everybody's curious about. I wanted to start off with LeMahieu because that was, number one, the first rumor, and number two, the one that I, I'm of the belief that they should do. Um, and I think it's worth maybe a little bit of an overpay so you can go get a guy like that and not have to go up any more prospects to do it. But that's just me. Uh, so we'll talk about Chris Bryant next. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever made. They've got it now in six new flavors to go along with the original 12. They've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They've got those 12 original flavors, like I mentioned. All of them are chocolate, six with nut, six without nut. They've got coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. They're a great treat. They're also very good for you, and they're great after a workout. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com, use a promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off on your next order. You also have a chance to win a free cooler with your purchase. Once again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, for 20% off on your next order. All right, let's talk Chris Bryant. First thing I want to mention, though, uh, if, if some of you guys are like me, you know, as a Wizards fan, DC sports fan, a fan of majority of the teams in the city, uh, you know, this was a funny week because I thought about this Chris Bryant rumor and it came out on Friday and I was joking with some friends of mine who also cover uh, various teams and, I, you know, we we're talking about NBA free agency. And I said, yeah, I mean, if this was an NBA free agency, you know, move, I would have to talk about this contract or this this rumor right now because you know, that Chris Bryant trade would probably be done during the weekend or something would happen or it would either be done or break down over the course of the weekend. In, in the MLB, I was like, yeah, I can sit on this until next week because there's no way that there's going to be any movement on this stuff. This stuff moves at a glacial pace 
unless it is the the trade deadline. And you're seeing right now, like for the for the Wizards, they re-signed Berton, signed Robin Lopez, signed Raul Neto, signed Anthony Gill, all since free agency started, and that started on Thursday. Uh, you know, and they floated the John Wall trade, right? And they they drafted two players as well. I know, you know MLB doesn't have a draft, but it's very funny to see, uh, you know, how different these things move. So let's go to Chris Bryant, and this is the report, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go from Bleacher Nation because it's a Cubs site. I think it's good to get that kind of perspective on this. Um, it was a rumor for much of last offseason when Bryant was clearly available in the right deal, and it's going to be a rumor again this offseason now that everyone knows it'll take something quite a bit less to get the right deal to get something done. The Washington Nationals are looking at Chris Bryant to su- supplement their lineup and hopefully fill the void left by Anthony Rendon when he signed with the Angels last winter. So uh, this this article is from Bleacher Nation. It's, it's from Brett Taylor over there. It's a great blog. You guys should definitely go read that. Um, really good Chicago sports blog for everything if you're, you're into Chicago sports. The question I have here is, what is the package that it would take for the Nationals to acquire a Chris Bryant? I am not the right person to do this. I wish we had Aram Layton on. I actually texted him earlier today trying to get a sense of what he thinks it would take for the Nationals to go get Chris Bryant. Um, clearly, it's going to take a top prospect. And I'm wondering you know, which way this goes. The problem I have is that Chris Bryant is only a he's, he's going to be a free agent in 2021. So at the end of next season, 2021-2022 offseason. So at the end of next season, Chris Bryant is going to be a free agent. So the Nationals making this deal better have intentions of re-signing him. Secondly, they're going to have to give something up uh, considerable to get Bryant. And three, they're giving something up considerable for a guy that we're not sure where his game is at. Chris Bryant, ever since that MVP season, has been declining, right? And so with his decline, you're now considering, you're now thinking about, well, can he replicate what he did in 2016? So you're, you're worrying now, okay, we've got to re-sign him, and we also have to get him, uh, you know, and we also have to get him back playing to his old form. So you're in a situation where you're considering those two things. You're trying to weigh those two uh, ideas. And I'm not sure if you're really confident he's going to be back in that position. Now, the challenge for the, the Cubs in this sense is this, because they've got two players in Javi Baez and also Chris Bryant who have got one year left on their contracts, respectively, and both suffered major declines in the shortened season. Bryant last year hit 206 with a 293 on base, 351 slugging, and a 644 OPS. I'm sure he would have done better if the season was longer, but this is the reality of it, right? He didn't deliver. The same thing can be said for guys like Anibal Sanchez and Adam Eaton. They didn't have time to work those things out in those seasons, in the spots they were compared to where their contracts were heading. They, you know, things got untenable uh, for the Nationals and Right here, you know, this puts the Cubs in a quandary. They probably wished they pulled the trigger a bit sooner on one of these on one of these moves, and they're going to have to make a move. As far as the fit with the Nationals, you'd be blocking Carter Keeboom, which you guys know I'm fine with. Starlin Castro would be able to play second base, um, and then you know Garcia that would shift Garcia uh, down to AAA, like we talked about. If there is AAA baseball, put Turner at short. And you'd hope that he, Chris would be able to be that protection for Juan Soto. You're banking on him being the guy that he was before. 
I would say, once again, I think that if you bring, you know, we've seen it time and time again, there really haven't been too many star signings or, or you know, upper echelon signings where the guy comes to D.C. and falters, right? When you think about the, the guys who have come into D.C., um, you know, you think about your, as Dribble Cabrera's, you know, had a really good run. Uh, Daniel Murphy is a guy who had a really good run. Jason Worth is a guy who had a very good run. These kind of higher profile signings, and yeah, there have been a few that have not always worked out the way they wanted to, but a lot of these guys have come in, Howie Kendrick's another good, good example, a lot of these guys have come in and worked wonders and have done very well. Howie Kendrick's not really of the same caliber, but, you know, I think if you're trading for Bryant, there is the idea that he gets better. The question becomes, what do the Cubs want? What are the Cubs looking for? And so we're going to try to talk to the guys over from the Locked On Cubs podcast, try to have them on the show to work out what this kind of deal would look like. For me, I don't want to give up a guy like Jackson Rutledge. Uh, I, to be honest with you, you know, if it took a guy like Luis Garcia and you know a couple other guys, uh, some of your top pitchers, maybe. But I don't want to touch Rutledge. Uh, he's the one guy I think you guys know I'm very high on. He's the one guy... I would not let go, and I think has a chance to be the best homegrown pitcher the Nationals have had since Steven Strasburg. So this trade, you know, we're going to look for some more kind of uh, kind of some ideas on what this could be. Talk to the guys over at Locked On Cubs, see what they think about this. Um, I know there's an article right now I'm reading on Duende City that is talking about some possible, and that's the fan side of blog, by the way, talking about some of the potential trade packages. Here's the first one. Chris Bryant going for Jackson Rutledge and Cole Henry. You guys know how I feel about that. It'd be a great deal for the Nationals, but I think the problem is in a market where the Nats can go and get other really productive hitters who are proven and not have to give up those prospects, I would rather them overpay for a free agent than overpay with prospects. Then give up too many quality guys that really you think have a chance to be impact players, especially arms, in the major leagues. The second trade um, would be Nationals trading, obviously getting Chris Bryant, and then Seth Romero and Tim Kate. Uh, two other arms, you know, Seth Romero, I think the Nationals would be very, very okay with them giving away Seth Romero. He's somebody who you guys know I'm pretty high on and I think projects well. Still trying to find a spot for him, and I'm sure what his future is in 2020. If they would take that, if, if they call, if the Cubs were to call you and make that trade, you say yes immediately. Like, there is so much upside of that trade. I don't, there's no way they do that. Romero, one of those guys, once again, like, just the world of potential. And a guy who was a first-round talent um, had some issues, has, obviously has some issues. But, you know, somebody who's got plenty of time to develop. Tim Kate, on the other hand, another young guy, top 10 in the prospects, good left-handed pitcher, but, you know, relatively unproven. I think the Nationals would do that in a heartbeat. With the number of pitchers they have, they've built up enough. I mean, the issue for the Nationals is always getting those guys through to the majors, right? The third trade, this one's this one is actually slightly more interesting, in my opinion. Chris Bryant for Andrew, uh, Andrew Lara and then Eddie Yeen. And we talked we talked last week to, uh, to Arm Layden, and he said Eddie Yeen was a guy that, from what he heard and what he saw, he was very impressed with. Thinks that he, and look, Eddie Yeen's a project because Eddie Yeen, I believe, is still only 18 years old. And then Andrew Lara is only 17 years old. So these are two guys the Nationals have just gotten in there. They're both right-handed pitchers. They're both one of, let's see, I think the Nationals, it is now in their top 10. They've got seven right-handed guys. MLB Pipeline has their top seven prospects as all right-handed pitchers. Those are two of the guys who maybe project some of the, the greatest upside besides Jackson Rutledge. But in this trade, if you're trying to win now, 
that would make a lot of sense. Yes, you're giving up a lot in the future. But for Chris Bryant, for two guys that, that can't help you necessarily win in this window where you're trying to win right now, it's a hefty sum. For, you know, it, it is. But for a guy like Chris Bryant, that's one that you got to consider. Um, I think it's one that you, you have to. The Rutledge one is the one I just – you wouldn't do because in – you know, with a team with this many arms, and the Nationals, like you look at that front three, the Nationals have a chance to stop outsourcing, uh, you know, their pitching, right? They can kind of grow somebody at home. And, you know, that'll, in the short term, or in a shorter term, I guess you could say, it will cost them less money to bring those guys up as opposed to going and getting somebody else. And with there about to be a little bit of turnover, the shares are coming out. Uh, you know, maybe the ability to get Rutledge in that rotation in the next two to three years. That's a guy that I'm not willing to part ways with. For Lara and Yeen, those guys would not be in the rotation, would not be in the major leagues until probably, you know, conservatively speaking, 2025 would be my, you know, my kind of conservative guess. Um, maybe 2024, you know, if if one just is rock'em, sock'em robots, then, you know, 2023. But those guys have a lot of growing to do as pitchers and as, you know, as humans. Uh, so, yeah, that one would be giving up a lot. But um, we're going to have more of these trades. We'll talk about more of this as the week rolls on. All right, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors. Make sure you guys enjoy your Monday and stay safe.